Welcome to Studio Break. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's episode, I'm going to share an interview that I just did with Leah Shriver, an artist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Leah does a number of interesting things, including painting, installation, video, performance. I really hope you enjoy that interview. On another note, we're starting to get some good entries into the 2012 MFA BFA competition, so please keep sending those in if you want more information on how to apply. Just visit the Studio Break page on Facebook. You'll see under the events, there's simple instructions for it. It's just a simple 10-image PDF with an artist statement. And though I spend plenty of time getting to know my guests each week, it would be nice to get to know some of you, too. So if you could like us on Facebook or drop us a note, we're getting some really interesting hits from all around the world, even. So we'd love to hear from some people just to, just to see who's out there listening. So please do that. And finally, I'm done yapping. So here is Leah's interview. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. I'm here with Leah Schreiber. How are you this afternoon? I'm very good, Dave. Good to see you. Yeah, yeah. It's nice to have you uh, on. And, you know, I think I might have even pointed this out or maybe even brought this up. Um, you know, I haven't, you know, obviously we went to school together and we were just reminiscing about how this was 10 years ago. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting because you can kind of get in touch with people that, you know, maybe you haven't haven't seen what they've been doing for a while. Um, and it's just nice to see how everything, you know, kind of, has, has changed and, and grown, so it'll be nice to kind of dissect that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I like to start off a little bit, too, just by getting some background and, and you know, where you're from and uh, what your experiences were like as a, a little a little kid, maybe. I don't know. I, I think it's obvious, too, just uh, if there's a – if anybody is familiar with that Bad at Sports um, podcast as well, which is another Chicago art podcast, um, um, you know, I've, I've run into a couple of people that do sports, but uh, what, what, what are your experiences <laughs> it's like growing up? Theme in your show, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been living in Milwaukee for five years now, so I have to admit to the to the disdain of many of your Chicago area listeners that I have become a Brewers fan. <laughs> but um, oh well. <laughs> no background. Well, um, I actually. I'm a Midwesterner. I mean, I've lived, I lived in, I grew up in Detroit as a little kid and then, um, moved to Flint, Michigan, Flint, um, (laughs) when I was, uh, about middle school aged. And then when I started high school, we moved to the Chicago suburbs, the South Chicago suburbs. And I went to high school there and, um, and then I ended up in Bloomington where I went to Illinois state for college so that's the quick rundown um but my dad uh my dad was a minister and so we that was kind of where the moving came in mm-hmm. um we moved to Detroit for his like internship and then we ended up staying um and then we moved to Flint when he got a new call to a different church so then we lived there just kind of always lived in kind of urban areas mm-hmm. um but definitely, when people ask me where I'm from, I never really know what to say because I've lived everywhere almost the exact same amount of time. Like, there's something about the magical number five years for me where, like, I live everywhere for almost exactly five years. And so I never know what to say where I'm from because I've lived everywhere for five years. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but were, were you were you an outdoorsy kid or, I mean, uh, I, I, well, it's just interesting to me because, you know, I don't, 
I mean, I took summer camp classes and made, like, friendship bracelets and stuff like that, but I didn't really get into, like, art making or... I, should, I shouldn't say art making, but art studying, you know, or whatever, sure. you know, until really, like, high school, I guess. Um, but was that something that was a big part of your, your, I guess, upbringing, too? Like, creativity, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that was always what I did for fun. You know, like, I was always... Like, my mom says that she could take me anywhere as long as she brought crayons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always drew and, like, always had a lot of art supplies. I always was interested in, you know, kid versions of art, like craft projects was like, ooh, it's craft time. Um, Sure. And I loved Legos, and I loved, like, blocks, and I loved, you know, I I was a very, like, physical playing in that way. Like, I really liked anything that had to do with building or drawing. Right, right. But I, I agree that I don't think I really thought that it was something... Um, other than just a fun thing uh, until uh, high school, until probably the second half of high school even. And did you wind up then just taking a lot of art classes, you know, down down the line? Like, it seems like there's, it seems, and again, just from experience teaching, it seems like I have students that are um, either like that or then people that don't have any kind of background like that. So it's just interesting to see how it starts up. But um, the painting and drawing and, and photo and all that other stuff or. I never did, no, my art program in high school, like, I had this really great art teacher. He was, uh, his name is Mr. Runyon. <laughs> he was, um, he was close to retirement, and I think that he was uh, just happy to have a couple of students that were actually there because they wanted to be, mm-hmm. as opposed to the students that were, like, huffing glue under the table or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um you know, he gave me a lot of attention and always kind of made kind of a side projects for me to like, you know, make things a little more challenging or whatever. And I, um, I, my, my school allowed you to take extra classes if they were toward what you intended to study in college. So like you could like not take gym and instead take you know, if you were going to go into science, you could take a science class, or I was going into art, so I took extra art classes. So I, I was definitely in the art room for, like, two hours a day, um, my, especially in my senior year. And, yeah, I, I mean, I loved it, and I ended up knowing that that was the only thing I was interested in going to college for, and that's what I did. Well, and so that, was, that must have been a very easy transition. I, I, I say that deadpan in terms of college. I mean, as, as a little bit of a joke there. Um, <laughs> but I mean, what, what did you? So I mean, um, was that something that you just jumped right into then in terms of college? Like you're, so you're like, I'm going to be an art major. But did you have an idea that you wanted to teach, or um, was it just kind of like something that you were kind of still in that mode of like, I'm just taking this because I enjoy doing this, or? Well, you know, teaching was always in the back of my mind. Um, I thought until. You know, all my life up until I realized that art was a potential, like, career direction, if somebody asked me what I was going to be, I said I was going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, but I wasn't thinking about being an art teacher. I was just thinking, like, being, like, elementary teacher or something. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, and then once I realized that I wanted to study art, you know, being an art teacher was kind of like, well, maybe that's a possibility, but I wasn't like, I wasn't interested in going into art education as opposed to just getting a studio art degree. Like I was really much more interested in being selfish and studying art because I wanted to make art, not because I wanted to show other people how to make art. Right, right. So, um, 
but then, uh, but then of course after college, well actually no, during college, I got this really great, um, internship at the McLean County Arts Center as the education director, like assistant uh-huh. and started teaching art classes and like firing the kilns and doing all kinds of stuff that an art teacher would do. And I, I really, I just loved it. Um, and so after, after Illinois state, I moved to Chicago and immediately got a job at Bill street art center teaching for them. Nice. Nice. Well, and, and just, just to make sure that, that, you know, we get a good thorough, uh, Leah experience. I mean, um, were you then kind of just primarily just studying painting then when you were in in uh, in your BFA kind of studies, or were there other kind of things that you're interested in as well? Or especially because you know, like we were talking about, I mean, um, you know, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I had any idea what printmaking was until I went to until I went to school, you know. Um, but were there any things like that that kind of just kind of expanded, you know, what you thought of, I guess, as the possibilities, if you will? Absolutely. Um... Yeah, I uh, actually, while I was at Illinois State, I got like a double undergrad degree because I also completed all of the requirements for the ceramics undergraduate program. So I actually had like a dual major. I mean, it wasn't really a dual major because it's all just art, but um, I did kind of take two of the concentrations and then ended up in my like BFA show, I had a pretty, uh, a pretty even amount of 2D and 3D work represented. Um, but yeah, so ceramics was really um, something that I spent a lot of time focusing on. But, you know, the thing about ISU that I remember so well was that while I, like, had a great, uh, I had great professors in the ceramics department, I had great professors in the painting department, which was what I technically uh, got my BFA in. That was how I got into the BFA program was as a, a painting major. Um, I, you know, I dabbled. I t- took a couple of printmaking classes as well, like three maybe like three printmaking classes and I took some sculpture classes and um, you know, I, I loved all of it, but I did end up kind of focusing mostly on ceramics and painting. And, and what was that work like, I guess, too, in terms of, of bringing up the, the BFA show in terms of, I don't know, things that you're interested in at the time. Um, you know, and one of the things that, you know, maybe hopefully it'll come back around and just seeing the way that it, because I, I have an idea, obviously, but, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But especially, like, in seeing your, your newer work, it'll be interesting later to kind of get, delve into that, because I think it's interesting, you know, and even just to bring up that anecdote of 10 years again, I mean, you start seeing these things that are cyclical in your work, um, and it's just interesting, especially for me to kind of think back to things that I would be making and things that I saw as being important at a certain time and then kind of seeing... I don't know, th- things that were important about them in one way, but then maybe you realize something different about them later. But um, what was the, the dual, the kind of painting and, and ceramics aspect of it at the time? Yeah, well, um, ceramic, well, so I was working really closely um, with Paul Sacharides, who's now like the head of ceramics at University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, and he was teaching me all kinds of, like, slip casting methods and, like, kind of alternative for ceramics um, ways of making objects and clay. And so I think that the, the primary ceramic piece that I had in my um, in my BFA show, I mean, I have to laugh. Now. I, I kind of laugh a little bit at my BFA show. I mean, it was really, it was, um, I'm really proud of the, of the kind of cohesiveness of the show for being, you know, 
20 or whatever, but um, the, the piece was actually these slip cast uh, kind of abstract forms that kind of referenced onions or rocks or breasts, and then they were like, they were shoved into a pair of, uh, of pantyhose, very kind of like Eva Hesse-esque kind of abstract forms, and then, but also, then um, they were like on a platform on the ground, and they looked kind of like cellulite legs or something. <laughs> that was the, that was the primary piece that was in um, my BFA show, which also had um, like a handful of acrylic paintings. It was like my first body of acrylic paintings. I had been studying oil all through undergrad, and then I switched in like January. Uh, like so, my show was in March, and I started using acrylic paint in like January, and like pumped out a whole body of paintings in two months. That ended up being my BFA show. Um, and it was all very kind of, uh, interested in ideas of, um, of the feminine body and how it's kind of broken down by the male gaze and, you know, lots of, um, segmented body parts, kind of references to Hans Bellmer, references to magazine collage, um, references to advertising, references to, um, uh, kind of what would be a feminine, like a bright feminine color palette. And, um, yeah, that was my BFA show. Well, and it's, it's funny to hear you say, you know, um, well, even to kind of poke fun at it a little bit, because, I mean, I look at it now, and, I mean, you know, like when I think about, um, you know, um, potential things that I have coming up now even, you know, the idea of putting on a solo exhibition is pretty daunting anyways. Yeah. But especially being, like, 20-some, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, being I mean, right in that, you know. Deal. Sure, sure. So I mean, you know, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, you know, it's it's easy to be, you know, overcritical, but I mean, especially like like, um, you know, it's still pretty impressive. I mean, if you really think about like that, that kind of rigorous kind of program, especially to like expect somebody to put all that stuff together in such a short amount of time, and yeah. then put something together that's really cohesive. Cause, and it was funny because you know, um, and I don't mean to digress too much, um, but you know, Anna Hepler was just on, and I mean my. My BFA show came together, like, in terms of conception, like, at the beginning of the year, and it was, like, three or four months, maybe three months later that I had that show. No, exactly. You know, That's so, what I, mean, I did, too. I put it all together in, like, eight weeks or Right, something. right. So, I mean, you know, it's, again, I mean, it's interesting to see it in, in terms of how, how that works in that, that period of time. But, um, you know, so in, in moving on from there, then, what was that experience like? You, you talked about moving up to Chicago and, and teaching up there. Um, did you see like a big, I don't know, what, what was the transition like going from being a, a BFA student kind of having that down, um, you know, to going to working on your own and then having to kind of make, make a, a life for yourself on top of that? Yeah, well, I, um, I ended up, um, moving back to my mom's house very quickly. Well, actually, so... What happened was that summer, that first summer that we got out of school, I applied to a bunch of residencies and ended up getting a full fellowship to Vermont Studio Center for that coming fall. So I knew that I was going on this residency. I was really excited about it. Um, and so I, and actually I, I was working as a camp counselor out in the Berkshires when I found out because I, I needed to get out of, I needed to get out of Illinois so bad. Sure. I like, I found, I got this job in Connecticut for the summer, uh, like 
working with extremely rich children on, from the East Coast. <laughs> and so I moved out there for like the summer. While I was there, I found out I got this residency in October. And so I had like six weeks to kill, basically from the end of my summer job until I went on this residency. And I got a job at this bar, like by the mall, uh, like where my, near where my mom lived. And I lived in my mom's house and, uh, where she was living with her new, her new husband who like, you know, so I moved into their house for like six weeks. I started bartending at this bar by the mall and I met this girl who had just moved from New York in back with her parents who had just graduated from art school in New York. And she, we both were just like, we got to get to Chicago right now. So we like within a month, we found an apartment like, and moved our stuff there. And then I went on my residency. And so I like, it just kind of, it just kind of happened so fast. I had like this amazing month in Vermont studio center where I got to really dive into where I wanted to go with my work um, what? because I really hadn't worked much, um, at all over that summer that I was in Connecticut. I didn't really make art at all. I, um, and so Vermont Studio Center was awesome because it was this opportunity to, to really approach my work, um, for the first time being out of school, but I was still in this like amazingly creative and inspiring environment and the weather was unbelievable and there was just like fresh snow on the ground every day and the people that I was meeting were so much fun and interesting and, and I you know one of them is still like a really close friend of mine that was 10 years ago you know um and I don't know so I I guess what happened was I I was using the same kinds of concepts, but the paintings just became much more complex, I guess. Like, I was painting really simply. I was trying to, like, kind of approach the idea in a really bare-bones way uh, for my BFA show. I mean, partly probably because of time constraint, but also partly because it was kind of a new a new concept and a new way of making an image. Um, but then when I had that time at Vermont Studio Center, I just really started to get to know um, acrylic paint a little bit better and got to understand what it's potential was and just started making compositions that had all the same content but were just you know more uh more like pattern like more like pattern and decoration style like Miriam Shapiro inspired type compositions and so when you were living in when you want to move into Chicago then I mean is that did you something get back into that right away then in terms of yeah I just kept painting work okay yeah I just kept painting and and um I got that job at Bill Street Art Center, like, right away, and, um, so I was teaching ceramics to kids, um, at, for work, and, um, and painting in my apartment. Like, I had turned the dining room into a studio, basically, and I was really lucky that I had found another creative to live with, because she was totally fine. She was like, as long as you let me tap dance in the kitchen, I'll let you paint the dining room, you know, it was like, <laughs> deal, you know? Right, right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I painted like crazy and, you know, I, um, I showed, you know, I showed work here and there. I, you know, I like, I entered a bunch of jury shows. I was like applying for jury shows like crazy and like getting little group shows here and there. Um, and showing at like coffee houses and stuff like that in Chicago. And I just kept painting, uh, you know, my painting, as I look back in Chicago, it didn't it didn't change a whole lot over those five years, but I was very 
interested in making the whole time. Um, right. So, yeah. Well, and I, and, and anybody that, um, well, might be in school now, I don't know, again, there could be 10 people that listen to this that are in school, but, yeah. um, when they, when people tell you that it's really difficult to make work outside of that environment, you know, it's something that, that becomes a reality pretty quick. Um, so even to be kind of maintaining any body of work, you know what I mean? Um, over any period of time is pretty, pretty impressive, you know? Um, yeah, I never, you know what I tell my, you know, I, I'm a teacher and I, I tell my students that, you know, being really dedicated to your practice is important because, you know, life becomes very distracting when you get out of school and you have to pay bills and you realize that, um, your adult social life has new potential from your teenage social life and so on. Um, I, I, I warned them, but my own personal experience, I had no problem making right. work. I, I don't know if it's, I just, um, that was what I did if I was at home. Well, and so what, what wound up bringing you back to, to graduate school then, or, or at least kind of thinking about, you know, I've got to, I've got to do this now. Right. Well, I guess what happened is that, um, I was starting to realize that my painting had a little bit of a formula. Like I could make, like my paintings were getting, you know, I felt like they were progressing and I, and I, I really liked them and I was happy with what I was doing. But at the same time, I started to realize that like my career path had kind of come to a, a, a dead end where I was like, I'm teaching, I've got the best teaching job I'm going to get, um, that I have, and I really loved working at Little Street. I mean, it was awesome, and um, I loved teaching there. But I realized that that was the kind of place that I was going to teach unless I got a, a master's. Um, and I had realized that I, I had kind of progressed through their program into teaching their adult program. And so I had been teaching adults for a couple of years and realized that I actually liked that even more than teaching kids. And, um, and so I was interested in furthering that kind of as a career and also, I knew that my while I enjoyed my painting practice, I wasn't I wasn't wowing anybody in terms of like you know any kind of conceptual challenge or um, I had kind of stopped trying to make work about something new, and I was much more interested in like the formal qualities of the paintings I was making, and I knew that that wasn't going to get me very far. So I decided to go back to school. And so what was it, what was that like? Because I, I know that, again, um, just from experience, um, and, and it, well, obviously you've probably heard people, plenty of people mention it, it's just that, you know, as soon as you start, you know, they want you to not do any of the things that you did do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the, that experience of just like all the things that they loved about your work now are all the things that you're doing wrong and you've got to change. So um, yeah. what what kind of courses did you, I mean, because I'm, I'm curious, especially when all the other you know, that spider webbing effect goes in because, you know, you, you've got so many things going on now. Um, was that something that started immediately or was it something that kind of got slowly brought into uh, your practice? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, so when I got to UWM, um, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, where I went to grad school and where I teach now, um, when I got to UWM, they made me their printmaking uh, area uh, project assistant, they call it, which is basically like a grad, you know, a grad assistant job where I was working in the print shop, um, maintaining it and helping students and, you know, mostly just like 
labor stuff. <laughs> but um, it was so cool to be in a printmaking studio again and be thinking about other processes other than painting. Um, and the other thing is that I had been, because I had been involved at Little Street in Chicago, I had been making ceramic work. I mean, I was still making work for myself while I was, um, while I was teaching. I was making more like sculptural work. Um, and while I was painting and, um, I still had that, I, I got to grad school and they were like, well, you're in the painting program now. So you're going to, I mean, not that they ever discouraged me from doing 3d work at all, but like the ceramics department was kind of like they had ceramics grads. And so I just kind of like decided I was going to really focus on, um, my painting. But then I immediately started making these like mixed media sculptures. And then the whole time I was in grad school, I was like, relearning sculpture basically like learning how to make sculpture out of materials that weren't ceramic and um so I was like making all these goofy these goofy sculptures out of whatever I could find like plaster wood wire paper like um and and, and while I was also making paintings and I was also making prints because I was working in the print lab and um ended up taking uh, like a, a photo, uh, photo exposed plate process, uh, printmaking class, um, which was pretty cool. And yeah, I just was doing all kinds of things. And then for my MA show, um, the way that UWM does it, you have like a, it's a three year graduate program. And after your second year, you have a master, you get your master's and then third year is the MFA. Um, so I had an MA at two years and I had to have a show. And so my show was, a mixture of mixed media sculptures and 3D, three-dimensional drawings as I started to think of them, and paintings. Well, and so thematically, was it, um, what, what was the work like? Because you talked a little bit about, you know, how you would really kind of get invested in, in, into that formal process. And so in terms of breaking that up, was it was it, was it something that kind of then um, was a, a continuation of that in terms of other materials, or, or what was it like? Yeah. Well, so, you know, I came into grad school with this body of work that, like I said, was very kind of like P&D oriented. There was a ton of layers. It was um, it was lots of transparent um, shapes, basically, that referenced the female body in like just layers and layers and layers on the canvas um, to create this kind of um, colorful spiraling pattern. I used a lot of spirals and it was all kind of like abstracted, uh, body parts, I guess. Um, I got to grad school and, you know, started thinking about the fact that I was, um, kind of breaking down the body and like thinking about the, thinking about the way that the body is broken down in parts by different, um, different sources like media or what have you. And I started thinking about, um, I started actually getting interested in mapping and how diagrams related to what I was doing. And, um, and eventually I kind of turned in and started thinking about interior body diagrams instead of like breaking down the body on the outside. I started thinking about the ways that we break down the body on the inside, um, through medical research or, um, uh, yeah, I mean, mostly medical research, I guess. But I ended up getting a residency at a mapping, uh, a mapping library, and so I got really interested in um, the ways that cartographers um, 
show information and the ways that they uh, can manipulate information on a map, right? So I started thinking about manipulating information through diagrams, and I don't know, it might seem like a big jump, but I ended up making this body of work that was um, many, many small paintings. There's about 70 uh, very small paintings, like between four inches by four inches and seven inches by seven inches, mostly. And they were all like little individual diagrams that um, were taken from multiple images of the body. So they were kind of like fake diagrams. They looked very like they referenced the body and you could identify some body parts, but there'd be some kind of um, fabricated information in them, so rendering them not very educational in the end. <laughs> so. Well, but it's, it's, it's interesting too, because I mean, you know, so much about, I mean, when I, when I even look at that, that overall, just even the timeline of what we're talking about, you know, um, the idea of identity and, um, and all of those things, I mean, especially to me, like, I mean, I, I've always, I always wind up thinking about the universality of Mm -hmm. things that I'm interested in. And what strikes me is that it really kind of starts to become, you know, I don't know about all these things at once, but in a way that's really inviting um you know what i mean and and it's interesting too because i'm even just looking at these now all these these kind of little paintings and you kind of you know get a feeling for them being like they're specific about something but then also knowing now that 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 they don't necessarily have to be um and and i think again i mean it it kind of brings up this notion of of some i was talking about it in terms of relating it to my nationality because i don't really identify with that but it's interesting because there's that lack of you know, a lack of identity of, of things that are even, you know, cellular, you know, which, which I think, again, really kind of address a lot of those things that you're, that it seems that you're interested in. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I was definitely interested in this idea of, um, of how we know ourselves and how we learn about ourselves and, um, and the kind of how we collect information uh, about our bodies from other sources rather than our own body, right? Like, we have it. It's ours. We know it better than anything, and yet we don't know anything about it. And we learn from all these other sources, and um, it can become... um, There's a lot of opportunity for misunderstanding there, I guess, with all these other sources telling you about your own body. And I think that then what the next body of work that I made after this one that we're discussing... Uh, the, the next body of work actually started to address that idea of kind of knowing or, or ex- like a more direct experiential knowledge. Um, so, cause the next body of work is the work that I actually, um, gave you for the site. Okay. Um, well, and, and, and I, I think, you know, that's again, another interesting thing too, is you start starting to incorporate more installation kind of based work as well. But, um, before we get specifically and maybe even talking about that, could you talk a little bit about, like, the materials that you're using, too? Because, I mean, it seems like there's a, you know, like a really nice variety in terms of, um, um, you know, what you're using. And obviously, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that, like, acrylic paint and, and that is still in there. But, I mean, it looks like, like I don't know, some of them seem, you know, like it really gets that translucency that, that again, you kind of start to associate with, with, with touch and with skin. You know what I mean? Especially skin. But there's a really nice trans, translucent kind of... Atmosphere. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, um, but um, yeah. Are you talking about the the large sculpture there? Um, well, I mean the um, the paintings that you can really start to see like the layerings going on is is, is what I'm looking at, I guess. Yeah. But then also, it's also just acrylic paint. Okay. Um, 
mostly. I mean, a little bit of collage material. I started playing with, um, like, toner transfers and um, how to kind of um, how to bring in transfer materials or transfer processes with more kind of, like, direct hand processes and kind of blurring the line between those things. But a lot of the, the transparent things that you're seeing, if they're on a flat surface, are is just uh, using a lot of acrylic paint and... Well, and, and so you're talking about specifically the, the um, installation that has the those kind of paintings that are rotating then, and then also the the kind of, oh, man, I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. They're kind of like tendrily kind yeah. of things. So, so, I mean... Okay, so that was my show. That was my um, my MFA show. And um, that work is... That body of work I call rotatory. And so, yeah, so there's, there's two primary things happening in that show. There's... There's a series of round paintings that are motorized with an infrared ranging sensor uh, to um, gauge the distance of the viewer from the painting. And then the painting turns, and its uh, its speed varies based on the closeness or distance of the viewer from the painting. Um, and then there's also um, a large, there's a 45-foot sculpture that is suspended from the ceiling on each end of the gallery. And... Um, the sculpture is actually made from found materials. Um, there's this really cool place in Milwaukee called I Am Salvage, and it's this enormous indoor uh, architectural salvage yard. And I found, I, I just I started going there with a, another uh, grad student friend um, just to look for amazing materials for our work. And I found this enormous pile of what are actually fluorescent light protection tubes. So uh, they were like these, you know, 12-foot-long plastic tubes that were meant to for to help transport um, fluorescent lighting. So I just pulled up a van and loaded up a van with these tubes because they reminded me of, uh, like, microscopic hairs. Um, and I had actually been interested... <laughs> And I had been researching um, the hairs of the inner ear as the uh, things that control our body's balance in for our brain. So we become oriented to the ground because of these little hairs that are in our ear. And um, I was wanting to make a sculpture about these hairs because they were. I found this photo of them that was so beautiful and mysterious, and it looked like seaweed. And it was moving in this really amazing flowing way. And I wanted to make a sculpture about it. And then I found these tubes that were, like, translucent and just so visceral. And so I brought them back and I put on a ventilator and I melted them (laughs) into these much more kind of organic flowing forms. And then there's wire going through them, which is how they're suspended. Well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, you start, um, at least for me, and, and again, just kind of becoming reacquainted with what you've, what you've been doing. Um, you know, like, I start thinking about, too, the, the way that, like, that that whole process starts to, at least to me, to kind of feel like like that as, like there is, like, an aspect of mapping or kind of exploration of, of that kind of side to it. Absolutely. Um, and I don't know, could you, could you talk a little bit about, I guess, th- those interests, too? Because, I mean, it seems like that's something that then... I don't know. It, it, it's, it's interesting, and, and maybe you would you would be better better suited to describe maybe how that stuff spiderwebs, because then you you start getting into um, you know other projects where you know there's um, 
you know, when people go to visit your website too, I mean, you can see that there's, inst there's installations, but then there's also performances and, and videos. But, um, I guess, I guess in terms of, you know, um, how that, that works to it, I mean, is mapping then something that's a, that's a idea that, that's starting to, I guess, really kind of expand there too? Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess mapping is, it was at the forefront of my mind for a little while there, but it's really kind of become more of like a conceptual thing. Like I'm really not thinking so much about uh, mapping directly as kind of just like following lines between things mm -hmm. and letting kind of my intuitive process uh, kind of lead me through my work. And, you know, I mean, I definitely think about, I'm still interested in di the diagrammatical and I'm interested in the ways that, um, that diagrams kind of help us orient ourselves to where we are um, and understand relationships between places or ideas. Um, but I guess I don't necessarily think about it so directly anymore. I've kind of like accepted it as part of my thinking and, and then just kind of, I'm a little bit more interested in the individual pathways between between my ideas. Sure. And I know about the idea of mapping as a, as a greater concept. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try really hard to walk a fine line between um, intuitive kind of like, oh, I have this idea, I'm going to just follow it and see where it goes and use whatever materials need to be used to make that idea happen. And, and also like kind of planning <laughs> sure well and and again i mean you know obviously too one of the things that i, I think you know becomes apparent too at some point if, if somebody's not conscious of it is that you know obviously people bring to what somewhat like what they're interested in you know what i mean like like as a viewer to what somebody else is doing so sometimes you kind of see i don't know things that things that might be important to you might not be necessarily the inherent kind of importance and it's just kind of the way that somebody sees it you know just because of where they're coming from but you know, I started to even kind of see it relating to that, like the the way that works in that that uh, the column drawing piece. Um, you know, just because it seems like that really is kind of drawing in between the. Or I don't know about that process, but could you could you talk a little bit about this um, this performance that you did? Yeah. So um, so it's it's really like the next step I took after making that uh, that body of work that had the interactive paintings and the large kind of visceral installation, I started thinking about like, about providing myself with an experiential uh, kind of way of investigating this idea of like the vestibular system and balance. And I, I was, I was actually looking a lot at the ways that um, medicine has historically studied balance. And it's really bizarre. I mean, it's, um, one of the things that I think is so bizarre about it is that normally when we think about the ways that medicine, um, the ways that medicine evaluate the body, it's through imaging, it's through x-rays and MRIs and, um, stuff like that. And, and it's, um, a little less often about putting the patient through some kind of an experience and seeing how they come out on the other side. And that's what they, that's how they test balance. They test it by putting people in spinning chairs or like uh, having a pattern spin in front of their eyes and then confusing their orientation to the ground physically and then seeing how long it takes them to recover or re-understand their, you know, get a better sense of their own uh, location. Um, and so that column drawing 
was kind of a site-specific way for me to play around with this idea of testing my sense of location. So I walked around this column that was, um, well, so I'll, I'll just back up a little bit. So um, my friend Kristen Haas had a studio um, in River West, which is a neighborhood in Milwaukee, and uh, there was going to be this um, annual art walk thing. And so we were organizing a show, a bunch of grad students and recent grad students um, for this art walk. And so she invited me to be in the show, and um, I went up and saw the space, and there was this big column in the middle, and I was just, like, thinking about drawing directly on the wall somewhere in the space, and then I realized that this column presented this really great opportunity for me to walk in circles. <laughs> so um, that's what I did. So I, I painted the column nice and white, and I got myself some graphite sticks and some graphite um, powder, and I... Uh, at the opening event, like at this art walk event for three hours, I did this like performance where I basically diagrammed out sections of my body. Um, and also my cycles around the column at the same time by just starting at my feet and drawing a continual line onto the column as I walked around the column. And then at each like point on my uh, body, like at my hips, the line quality changed, and then at my shoulders, it changed again, and the top of my head, it changed again, and so there's these kind of, um, there's these like, these segments on the column that kind of relate to my body specifically, but um, you can also see the line going around and around, so it's also measuring my movement, and then the graphite that I put on the floor kind of got rubbed into the cement floor um, till it is this kind of beautiful shininess, but uh, it also measured the kind of width of my feet's movements. So, what? Well, no um, doubt, turn them black. Sorry, I said, and no doubt, turn them black too. Yeah, you're... <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I have some really hilarious uh, photographs of the bottom of my feet from after that. Well, but and again, it's it's interesting too because it, it's it's one of those things where um, you know that just that whole idea of process is so interesting and something that's so so much usually removed from the act of seeing something, you know, in a gallery setting or, uh, you know, something like that. So it's interesting to see how that, how that works. Um, but, um, one of the other pieces that, that I was interested in, um, um, was, were these, uh, I guess, gouache and, and inkjet prints. Um, yeah. cause it seems, it seems like something that, that, that I, that I, that I've seen to pick up and maybe some of the, the video aspect or, or some of the other things is like that, that idea of repetition too, kind of bringing up in there too. Um, but could you talk a little bit about, I guess that, 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 that piece and, and what that was about? Yeah. So after I did this performance, um, it was my first, uh, my first performative work. And, um, I, I ended up being really interested in, in what it produced and, and in a more conceptual way, but Actually, in a really physical way, I was surprised by how much I really enjoyed the the drawing that ended up on the column from this performance, the actual physical kind of record of the performance. And um, due to the nature of the exhibition that I did that for, I had to paint over it immediately. Like, the next day, I had to paint over it. And so I... Um, I took a lot of really nice photographs of the, the column itself to try and kind of capture what had happened over the course of those three hours. 
on the site. And, um, and then I, um, I decided that I wanted to make some more kind of permanent works in response to this very like ephemeral experiential drawing that I had made. So I, um, I used a transfer film that I've been playing around with. It's like a nice, uh, it's called DOS. It's like, um, it's a kind of film that you can put through an inkjet printer and then use alcohol, uh, use like rubbing alcohol or actually specifically hand sanitizing gel to uh, remove the image from the transfer onto the paper. So I did that, but it left this kind of ghostly image that I wasn't quite satisfied with. So I, I like really worked into it over a summer. Um, and uh, yeah, I used gouache and graphite and kind of built that image, that ghost of the record of the drawing back up to a level that I felt like was a, um, a more honest kind of rendering of what that column ended up looking like. Um, if you had had the opportunity to see it, um, in person, but you couldn't because it was only there for 24 hours or something. Right, right. So I, my idea was that I was making this like stable representation of this very kind of unstable experiential drawing. And, um, those, those works are actually on in an exhibition right now called Drawing the Line here in Wisconsin. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. So we're back after a, a short little recess, but um, there's a number of other little projects. Well, I shouldn't say little, um, but some projects that I wanted to get through, too, before we get to some other fun kind of non-sequiturs. Um, but um, if you could talk a little bit about uh, the, the, the Crow's Nest Karma piece and then... Um, Got a number of other things, but because um, it seems like again you've kind of got some of the it, it looks like they're, they're those rotating pieces again, but um, I don't know what, yeah, what, yeah. what's what's the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not rotating, but they look like they could, which was kind of the the hope where they reference rotation. Um, so Crow's Nest Karma was this opportunity uh, to do an installation at a place here in Milwaukee called Plaid Tuba, um, which is like a creative studios um building um that is that houses about five uh milwaukee artist studios and then they they all share this gallery space that's kind of in the middle and it's open to the public where um you know people can just come and walk through and see um see the artists uh working in their studio and um a couple of the artists that uh work in those studios invited me to do an installation in their gallery area. So I did this piece called Crow's Nest Karma. And, um, well, I'll start off. The, the title, Crow's Nest Karma, um, is uh, <laughs> basically, so I, I was doing these drawings that were based on the ways that medicine um, tests balance, uh, the way that doctors understand patient balance disorders and I started just, like, Google researching um, things about the vestibular system and um, balance. And I found out that there's a, there's a group of people who think that all medical disorders are actually remnants of a prior life. And um, they're, they're, like, leftovers from some person that you were in the past. And so it turns out that crow's nest karma is what these 
folks um, call having a vestibular disorder. So if you have trouble balancing when you're walking, if you always feel like the ground is shifting below you because you have some vestibular disorder, they um, they think it's because you were a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> and and so they call it crow's nest karma, like you're up in the, sh- the crow's nest of a ship in your prior life. And so your brain is so used to uh, to kind of, moving back and forth because of the waves of the ocean that then now in your in your new uh, in your new incarnation you now have uh, balance issues and I just thought that was the most bizarre way of thinking about a medical disorder uh, to to think that it was because you had potentially been a pirate so I just really wanted to use that in my work um, and so I made this uh, kind of swirling sky painting. There's like kind of stars look like they're moving in circles. And there's these uh, circular paintings that definitely reference the paintings from the rotatory uh, exhibition. But in inside of them, uh, inside these little um, black and white patterned circles, there are uh, these gouache drawings of um, patients actually going through the medical testing uh, of, of doctors for their vestibular disorders. Interesting. That's basically so, um, it. You know, it might not read that way. I think that, it, that all that story about pirates and, and uh, reincarnation and all that is just like not even present for the viewer in the work other than through the title. I just thought it was this really great, uh, this really great kind of alliteration and, uh, and I wanted to uh, kind of bring some, some, outside kind of questions about the work that maybe didn't have necessarily to do with with medicine um because it's not really all about medicine it's really about kind of experiences and having experiences of your body and learning about your body through experience and so i just wanted to kind of break this kind of monotony of it always being about medicine because it's just a resource right right for me well, yeah. and, it, and it's one of those things, too, that I, I think, um, you know, that you get asked in school so many times about the viewer. Um, yeah. And, and I don't know, I just, I think in the reality of it, I mean, there's there's things that really speak to you and then things that don't. Yeah. Um, but I don't necessarily know that that's always going to be apparent, like, in terms of, like, how, again, somebody arrives at something, you know. Right, so, right. so, I mean, that might be, obviously, the, the biggest thing is just working through that process so that you're coming at something with some kind of fresh fresh angle and then you're you're challenging your own process as opposed exactly, to just you know, yeah exactly That's like it has thing. well and, and again everybody's going to bring up some, you know everybody's got different sensibilities you know um yeah. but um it's it's interesting um and so you've also got a couple of other things going on um but you were you're talking a little bit about this laws of nature um um I, what's what's that about yeah, uh, Laws of Nature is an exhibition that I organized last summer that includes a handful of uh, regional artists. Um, Lauren, Lev- uh, Lauren Lovato from Chicago, uh, Lynn Tomaszewski from here in Milwaukee, Zoe Darling from here in Milwaukee, L.J. Douglas from Bloomington, Illinois, who was one of our painting professors when uh, we were in school, and, um, and myself. So the five of us are, uh, I found... A connection between our work and that we're all kind of interested in um, using um, natural science as a as a as a resource for our work, and we're all responding to the ways that um, science is studied, whether it's on the medical end or more on a, a natural science kind of field museum kind of end. Um, 
And so um, I organized this show at a gallery in Sheboygan, uh, in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, um, called FJ Projects. And um, this coming summer, we're going to have a second location. So we're going to we're becoming a traveling exhibition, and we're going to be showing at the Racine Arts Council Gallery Art Space um, in Racine in July. So nice. it'll be an all-summer show. It'll be from um, July 6th till um, the end of August. I don't remember the exact closing date. But, um, yeah, so we'll be doing a new iteration of the exhibition coming up soon. Well, and then um, uh, the what was the art and art piece that you were talking about as well? Oh, art to art. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, art to art. God. Art to art. <laughs> art to art is another thing I've got coming up. Um, I um, was invited by a local choreographer named Kelly Rademacher to uh, collaborate with her for a project um, uh, that will be exhibited at an event called Art to Art. And Art to Art is this um, uh, collaborative um, exhibition that is put on by a local dance studio called Danceworks. And what they do is they ask choreographers to collaborate with artists of other um, fields. So visual artists or um, or musicians, I guess mostly, and they collaborate and make a work that then will be um, exhibited um, for this weekend of shows. So uh, a choreographer saw my column piece, saw my performative drawing, and, and uh, really thought that that was something that um, she related to, and she wanted to try making something with me. So we put up together a proposal, and um, we're accepted into this event that we're now uh, working together for uh, for Art to Art, in, which will be happening in August here in Milwaukee at Danceworks. Awesome, awesome. Well, and again, like I've been saying, I, I, I do have um, you know a bunch of a bunch of random little things. Um, hopefully, yeah. not, not that they're ever little things, but um, you know, it seems from talking about it too. I, I mean, I'm guessing that that you know you're still you're still someone that that's going to be you know reading a lot in terms of you know, maybe, uh, you know, art critics and, and theory and stuff like that. But, but is, is research for you also like a lot then of just kind of, um, well, like, like this, this, these idea of medical disorders and those other things. I mean, does research take on a different role too, like that? Yeah. Um, well, you know, my research lately has been really very visual, actually. I think, you know, I'm, I've only been out of grad school for, um, two years or so, and um, it's actually just under two years, and I did a lot of, as I'm sure everyone out there in grad school knows, I did a ton of reading and writing while I was in grad school, and um, I think I'm still kind of, like, coming down from that in a way, like, I can't say that I do a ton of critical reading, um, of course, like, you know, read Art in America, and, uh, you know, um, I'm a full-time teacher, so I'm kind of always reading and thinking about uh, visual artists and the contemporary art world and how it relates to the things that I'm teaching them. Um, but I think for me, this past year or so, my research has really been very visual, um, and that includes looking at historical medical textbooks and um, looking at... Um, specifically, I've been actually kind of interested in in, in film and in, the, in like the kind of sequential nature of the film and thinking about how that translates into um, 
the work that I've been making. And so I've just been playing, I've been looking at film and playing with filmic images. And um, yeah, it's really been my research lately. I have to admit, I probably should be doing more reading. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I think being in it is something that, you know, that requ- well, it requires different, I don't know. If it, if it all time to read, I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I think that, you know, um, I don't know, everything has its place. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, there's times where you might only be reading and then times where, you know what I mean? Yes. You're really kind of focusing on, on that aspect of making, especially when you've got, you know, shows opening up all over the place, Absolutely. you know? Um, I know. I've had a show every month for the past seven months. So I'm like, that's I've excellent. been just kind of busy with making lately. I haven't been doing a ton of like new research. It's a lot of kind of reviewing research that I've already done, which it's amazing how much I learn from stuff I thought I already knew. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, well, and I guess too, in terms of bringing that up too, because I mean, you know, um, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but not necessarily specifically. So, I mean, um, do you do you expect then the, then the viewer to kind of take take whatever it is that they're experiencing on um, just I mean without without having to get like all of those all of all of that that process that it took to get there, or is it something that's not even not even on the radar because I mean I, th- I think a lot of people at this point I, I'm again after interviewing you know close to 30 people it seems like a lot of people are kind of of the the nature of you know people are going to get invested in what they're going to get invested into but I mean is that something that you that you're concerned about or yeah I mean the nature of my process is very obsessive and time driven and I think everything I make ends up taking a lot longer than anyone could ever totally be aware of unless they are also a maker and they naturally think about those things. Like there are some people that look at work and they want to understand how it was made first and foremost, um, or they think about the process of making it um, really specifically. And I think there are other people that don't necessarily, they're like, they're much more interested in, in the, in the results and what the result has to offer. Um, am I interested in what, I mean, uh, I think that people are often asking me about how I made my work or like, they often are like, wow, like that must've taken a long time or whatever. So I'm, I mean, something I'm doing is bringing that out in people. Something I'm doing is making them want to know about the time or the, the process of, of how that work ended up being made. Am I interested in making sure that that's evident all the time? No, but I think that the nature of the things that I make end up exhibiting that process pretty sure. clearly. I mean, you know, I made a piece uh, a couple of years ago where I, I, I wrapped wire in colored yarn for like months, you know, and then the yarn, like these wrap, these wire wrapped yarn lines were strewn across a, um, a 45 foot wall and, I thought that the final result was much more about the drawing, but people kept asking me about the wrapping. And I, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't making, like, that process wasn't about the time I invested in it. I wasn't doing that process because it took a long time. I was doing it because I like repetitive action. (laughs) And a lot of my work ends up having some highly repetitive action built into the process, but it's not necessarily the content of, of investing time in that kind of a repetitive action is not always... Um, really important to the content of the work that right. I expect the viewer to take. So, 
know. Does that answer your question? No, I think so. I think so for <laughs> sure. Um, and, and, it, and it kind of brings up a little bit maybe of something that, that I'm thinking might be related. But, um, you know, one of the things that I, that I want to be asking people that are, um, you know, teaching art is, you know, what, what are they interested in kind of, you know, teaching, I guess, or at least um, obviously, you know, don't make it make it sound so pointed. But I mean, what, what is it that you think, I guess, you try to instill, like, I guess, in other people that, that are trying to be creative? Um, if there is maybe like a thing like you should have this, you know. Um, yeah. What What do you try to get them to do? Or well, I work um, primarily with foundation students, so I've got first year students, um, and I think that the thing that I that I feel like I might be bringing to their classroom is really trying to ask them to commit to what they're making. I guess. Um, really to understand that, you know, um, an hour is not a long time to work on something, you know? <laughs> right, right. Um, and, and that when you're finishing a work, you know, when you're at that finishing level of the work, um, you know, you have to be, you have to kind of raise your standards a little bit from the beginning stages of the work in terms of like the process and the kind of the, the, the life of the process, you know, because you go through the, the ideation stages and then, you're, you know, you, have, you figure out how you're going to go about making the work and there's the planning and everything. And then, um, and then when you've achieved all that, then how do you put that work in front of someone and say that it's done and really, like, thinking about um, pushing... I mean, I guess I am very process-oriented in the way that I teach, and I really do try to get them to think about the importance of of dedicating yourself to all of those different stages of the process because there are differences between the beginning and the middle and the end, you know, and how you how you have to approach the work at that point. No, sure, and and, I, and it's interesting to me just that that, that whole problem too because I wonder how how much patience has changed. Like the idea of patience has changed, Yeah, you know, cause I mean, I've even, um, and something that I, that I bring up and I don't know if this makes it probably falls on deaf ears sometimes, but, um, you know, you just hear stories about, you know, um, people coming up in a, like a traditional academic, you know, European system hundred hundreds of years ago where they might be, you know, drawing like a marble statue for two years before they even get like somebody in the flesh. Absolutely. Um, so it's just it's just interesting because it, it's it makes me wonder how much of that is about that that instant kind of gratification versus exactly. you know that idea of that that amount of work that you know just goes into well the making something um, and so uh, you know it's it's an interesting problem to have um, but you know outside of then then teaching and obviously we've talked to, about some of the exhibitions and stuff that you're going coming up and you know it sounds like you're busy but um, are there are there any things that, that, that keep you distracted and keep you grounded, I guess, away from that? You know, I mean, obviously, we've had a whole bunch of people talking about uh, uh, baseball or, or random television shows that, that yeah. they're watching while they're in the studio. But uh, are, there, are there any things that, that you kind of find yourself getting distracted in? Well, you know, um, normally it would be television. Uh, I mean, I do love TV. And I, um, I especially love dramatic television <laughs> not like reality television drama but like uh like i was really loving downton abbey for a while or um 
Breaking Bad is an excellent show, and I'm obsessed with that show as well. But but the truth of the matter is that um, I'm getting married really soon, and so whatever free time I have usually goes toward wedding planning. <laughs> so. Well, and so I guess I guess I should listen, ask that too. I mean, what what do you so when you're not wedding planning, and say you're in the <laughs> studio, for example, what what are you listening to? What am I listening to? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man, it's so embarrassing. Um, well, I listen to I, I listen to podcasts, so I'm really into um, uh, Real Time with Bill Maher. So I, I listen to that, and I and I listen to like Bad at Sports and a little bit of Studio Break. Um, but music wise, um, I love The Walkman, and I love Adele, which is totally like my uh, my guilty pleasure. And, uh, yeah, I love any, I love, I love really melodic music. I don't know. I listen to a lot of things. I'm pretty, sure, sure. it's pretty random. Well, it's all, it's all good stuff. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of music I, I can find for you on, uh, freemusicarchive.org, which is, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I know that's a weird thing cause I always wind up plugging all these things, but again, it's fun cause you, I wind up, it's even that as a process of itself cause you're trying to like look for something and you wind up somehow getting tunneled some other way just because you, like, grab a buzzword from something or something like that. But um, just to let everybody know, again, wh- where can people go to find out uh, more about uh, things that are coming up and especially to, to be able to get notification of these shows that are coming up to look forward to for the, the summer and the fall? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I try to keep uh, up pretty closely on my uh, website, which is leahschreiber.com. Um, so I, you can always go there to find out what the latest work is or what the latest show is. There's even a show coming up this coming weekend. There you go. There you go. Um, well, thanks again for, uh, participating and, uh, being such a lovely guest. So I, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Dave. It was so much fun and good to, good to talk to you. Thanks again to Leah for joining us today. You can find out more about her by visiting leahschreiber.com. And if you happen to like this podcast, check out studiobreak.com where you can see a whole bunch of other slideshows and find a whole bunch of other interviews where you can easily listen to it in the player there. You can save it by right-clicking and downloading it. Or you can go to the iTunes store and become a subscriber. Just search under podcasts, Studio Break, and you'll find it that way. Our music today was found at freemusicarchive.org, where there's a whole bunch of other free music. This band is called Hogan Grip. If you happen to be in the central Illinois area, you can check out Eric Watercutty's show, Chimera, which is opening at Violet Poe Projects this Friday from 5 to 8. Please check that out if you're interested. Eric was just recently on a couple weeks ago. And last but not least, if you're interested, please check out my work at davidlinaway.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you real soon.